I realized that it's because the wedding itself, it's not what we're shooting. That's when I realized that what we're doing, it doesn't matter if you're sick or if you're going through a divorce or whatever. I mean, you're, if your mind is in the right track, then you can shoot a wedding without feeling jealous or feeling sad. Or it's just what, what I realized is that a wedding is just a tiny little representation of life right there. Welcome to the Way Up North podcast. This is where we get to know the speakers presenting at Europe's wedding photography conference, Way Up North. We're not interested in which apertures they use or what they carry in their camera bags. Instead, we aim to get to know them a little bit better as people. My name is Jacob, and in a few moments you'll hear my colleague Cole interviewing Sitlali Rico. So, I must admit that I didn't know too much about Sitlali Rico before we started looking for speakers for Way Up North in Rome. Aside from her images, that is. She came highly recommended from many people in the industry that we respected, though, so it was clear that she had something special. And yep, she sure does. Here for yourselves. Here's Cole's talk with Sitlali. All right, so when we announced you for the event in Rome... A few people messaged me and said, how do you pronounce your name? So why don't we start there? That's, that's an awesome question. Thank you. Uh, my name is pronounced Sitlali. It's like if you divide it in three syllables, it's Sitlali. And I just go shorten to Sitla to make it easier for everyone. And if Sitla is too complicated, then we can just go for C. But C. The whole way to say it is Sitlali. <laughs> Sitlali Rico, right? Very good, Cole. So Sitlali, that's a, that's a cool name. Is that is that a common one in Mexico? Because I've never heard it before. No, not really. It's not very common. It's an Aztec name, actually. So it's a very, very old name. And my mom decided to name it like that. And it's just, uh, it's been a very interesting life with that name. <laughs> Even in Mexico? Even here. Yeah, I mean, there are a few Citlalis around for sure. But in general, um, most of our art from Mexico. So people have a hard time saying my name. And it's it's been fun. Okay, okay. So you are born and, uh, born and raised in Mexico, it sounds like. Yes, uh, I was born in Mexico City. And I've been living in Cancun for 25 years. So basically from... From the beach area. Okay, okay. And did you grow up in a big household with lots of brothers and sisters? No, actually. I only have one sister and one brother. And basically my whole life has been beside my one sister. So we're, we're very happy. We work together. We're a team. When we shoot weddings or any kind of thing we shoot, it's this, my sister and I, Tamara. Okay, so you, you work with your sister. Yeah. Well, you yeah, you must be fairly you must be fairly close because siblings either love each other or can't be in the same room with one another. So I guess you pick the uh, the nicer of the two. It's definitely not easy. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I don't recommend this. It doesn't work for everyone. We I've been shooting for ten years and we've been working together for nine years. 
So you obviously have this level of comfort as your siblings, where things, where, where that line of, of work beside family, it's like very, very thin. So it's really hard to, to, to keep it peaceful, right? But it's, it's been great. It's, it's great with each other very well. Also, you know, when I'm shooting with certain lens, she's shooting with another one, or she helps me with the light. So she's she's excellent at that. And I can't imagine doing this, the images or what we do without her now. So you made the move from Mexico City to Cancun, you said? Yeah. So in my mind, Mexico City is just like massive and chaotic and sinking into the ground and and it's just kind of like this hugely busy place and then I, I i associate cancun with just beaches chilled out laid back so so what's it like living in cancun is it a laid back kind of place compared to the the hectic mexico city vibe it's definitely an easier and better life quality here in cancun uh, mexico city is definitely chaotic and pretty busy and big and so we have an easier life in Cancun but it's not what it seems like Cancun it's a very touristy place and for tourists it's awesome but for the local people it's not as great just because we're kind of forgotten like people don't like the government think about local people they just think about tourists so there are no there are no activities for local people there is nothing to do except going to the beach and I mean, you have you kind of have no life when you live in the tourist industry. When you when you work for the tourist industry, you have to you have these awful shifts where they keep changing every week. So you you can't plan your life. And then when you have a day off, there's nothing to do. So you basically have to do all your errands that you can't do during the week. And it's a very weird society in Cancun. So. It's, it's awesome living here, and it's great to have the beach right there, but it's not as great as you could think. It's just uh, Well, it sounds to me like you're in the society that maybe is not so much involved with the tourism side of things. Is that true? Like, do you, like, stay out of that world, and do you mostly kind of, like, work with the Mexican society, if you want to call it that? Or does your life cross over into that tourism realm? Well, I will say that 95% of our market is from the States or Canada or, or Europe. So I do work a lot with tourists and I do work a lot at the resort. So I see what kind of life our people has, right? And what I do to stay sane and living here is I go away a lot. I travel a lot <laughs> just because sometimes I do need some of that like big city kind of vibe or or and more cultural cities because this is like a 45 year old city it's a very very new one so there is no no strong roots to it there's no there's no culture yet we're still building it but it's very very slow process okay so i've spoken with you in total for like 15 minutes now like ever like i've never spoken to you before but like my my first like maybe maybe my first impression is wrong but you i mean you seem like you're you're like kind of in a position with your career maybe and maybe even your life where like you kind of can make a difference to the culture that you're living in and that might be a dramatic statement but do you do you love cancun and are you like a 
political person, for example, who is going to try to like change the the way this young 45 year old city runs and, and kind of create things for, for the next generation of people from there? Well, I, I'm definitely trying to do that with our industry, at least the industry in Mexico, right? Like the photographers in Mexico, I'm definitely going towards that. I'm, our country is in a very hard stage right now where we're kind of, we feel a little bit hopeless. I belong to a family where they're fighters and they're always trying to make things better. But I'm in that stage where I'm like, I don't know where Mexico is going to be in a few years and I don't know what to do about that. So I'm, uh, what I'm trying to do is just make things better, at least in the segment where I'm working right now. What I'm, so I'm trying to make a difference in photography in terms of convincing people that we have a very important and huge responsibility in our hands as like to to document people's lives so that's kind of where I'm trying to work towards and it's it might be a little bit easier for me in that way because in the rest it feels like you feel like in a sea of darkness and don't know what to do you know I mean it sounds like super dramatic but but it, it is it's been that for a few three years living here okay so like I'm from Canada originally. I don't know if you knew that. Um, okay. And in Canada, yeah, like uh, you know, we're <laughs> in Canada. We're we're fairly well exposed to Mexico. Like it's in North America, and lots of Canadians go to Mexico, and we, are, you know, we hear about Mexico quite often. And being an entrepreneur in Mexico, the reputation has always been that it, you know it's difficult to be an entrepreneur in Mexico. Uh, do you feel that it's it's difficult to be an entrepreneur there? Definitely. Yeah, it's not it's not easy. You uh, have to face a lot of different challenges. I'm sure it's the same in in. You can ask anyone, and they will say the same about other countries. But right now, we're we're facing some security problems too. It's not just like the government might be corrupt or, or like the paperwork is endless. Or it's also that uh, maybe you don't want to have face out there just because you don't want to be very public. Right, just in case, like we're we're dealing with some drug cartels problems, so everyone is trying to stay low profile, and that kind of thing didn't happen like ten years ago. So it's it's not easy when you're starting a business now, and you you have to think of, of that too. So we're all trying to keep it low. Do Do you think it's like? I mean, maybe this can, this question could be for anywhere, really. But like, is it is it more challenging as a female entrepreneur than it would be if you're a male entrepreneur? I don't know. At the beginning, maybe. I I think that maybe ten years ago, everyone would consider a photographer being a male. Even when I show up, sometimes because of my name, people think I'm a guy. I'm like, okay, I'm a girl. So. I don't think it's hard to be an entrepreneurial woman right now, but I do believe that in photography, women didn't have too much voice. It's been a very slow process. I mean, I started workshops like years ago, and I think I was the only female in Mexico that was doing that. And now slowly you start seeing how other people, how other women are doing it just because maybe they're playing different roles and they have no time or they don't know how to make their voice like to be heard. But 
it's it's definitely been a very slow pro process for the women into the photography industry. Yeah, and probably everywhere, really. I mean, you can probably look at the yeah. this presenter lists at most events over the past five years. And I mean, hopefully the, the shift is happening where more females are there, but who knows? So when you were growing up, like, what did yeah, you, I, what did you, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I just, I just think that there is a lot of talent. I mean, it's exactly the same if you're a guy or a girl. I mean, the talent is maybe the same, more or less. It's not a your gender. It's just about the opportunities you get or how do you create those opportunities. And sometimes if you have at home three kids that you have to take care of, you don't, you're not thinking of how to create a, a stage for my voice, right? Or, or you have another job because you have to raise your help your family, then you're not thinking about these things. It's just might be because of our society works might be just a little bit easier for guys. But finally, we're seeing more, more girls up there, girl power. Yay. Okay, well, before we go to what I was going to ask, let's stick yes. with that then. Like, like, how did you create a create a voice for yourself? Did you did you see yourself as someone who is like an educator, for example? Or did you just like, kind of will your way into to doing workshops and presenting at events and things like that like do you have like kind of that strong will with is that within your personality i'm not sure how it happened i think it just it just started happening it was like a snowball for me i uh i i was invited first before actually planning on doing it i think that's key that's very important so if one is trying to get into these kind of things you you need to create images that stand out but it's also important to start knocking on doors because now there are so many photographers out there and so talented ones that if you if you start doing like a creating a good work and you start connecting with the right people then you create the, these kind of stages for yourself so for me it was it was just very organic I, I didn't plan it and then I just started like doing workshops and I started getting invited into conferences because this was like six years ago when the boom of conferences started. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of easy for me and I know that right now it's not that easy for everyone but you also need to prepare yourself for all. It's not as I'm just going to start teaching and then I'm just going to start speaking. It's like you need to read, you need to watch a lot of people speaking. You you need to learn how to do it in public. It's not that simple. So it is a lot of preparation too for that. Okay, well, this is kind of like interesting to me because like you're either, I, I feel like with presenters, and this might be a strange thing to ask you because you're presenting at like our event, but I'm gonna ask you anyways. Like with presenters, I feel like you either get asked to do it and you do it kind of reluctantly, or you get asked to do it and you're all in because you, you are, you feel like I enjoy presenting. Do you feel like you actually enjoy presenting or do you feel like you're being asked to do it and you're reluctant, reluctantly accepting? No, I love it. I love it. And that's why I'm all in every time I get invited. Uh, and But the way to love it is to actually try to become good at it. Because you really saw when you're on stage and you're not prepared for that. I mean, I can say it for the first conferences I, I, I did. I was... I didn't feel prepared for it, and I was like, I'm not doing this again. Like, this is it for me. But then I decided, okay, if you're in this already, why don't you just be better at it? And I just keep preparing my, myself, and and that's why I love it now. You know, I just really enjoy 
especially because I found what kind of message I want to transmit. And that's, I'm not saying like I'm the greatest presenter. I'm just saying that I have a message that I want to tell the world and that's why I'm loving it. Okay, cool. Did you have, did you have another career before photography that sort of, uh, sort of groomed you for, you know, for finding your own voice? Because it sounds to me like you've kind of found your voice and and found your, your purpose or whatever you want to say. So did you have another career before photography that, um, sort of taught you how to blaze that trail for yourself? I did went to university for communication. So that kind of makes it a little bit easier for me. But I think that voice and that message and all that came with photography. I mean, it's been 10 years and, and you don't, I mean, you do need college if you want to something very specific, but to find that kind of inner voice, you don't actually need that. You can just work your way, whatever you're enjoying doing. And you, like you speak perfect English and... I know, like when when I when I've been to uh, Cancun to the resorts, they don't always speak great English at the. Anyway, what, but you speak great English, so like, have you have you like learned from a young age, or did you are you just a quick learner in your in your later years? Um, it's no, it's basically. I think when you're when you live in an area like this, you in school you always you always have that. Um, you need to learn English no matter what. And then we were watching movies, my sister and I, we were watching cartoons and movies all the time in English. So that helped a little bit. And now it's more because our market is from the States. So I think we practice a lot and and we try to, to speak a little bit better. That's it. <laughs> Simple as that. I was thinking about that question, actually, uh, in your English, um, because I'm friends with uh, Fair Waristi. Um, and... Knowing Fair, we he's got a couple kids and I have a couple kids, so we kind of relate like that. And uh, what Fair told me was, you know, it, the education system for his kids, um, he's very picky about that. And his kids go to a private school where they can learn English versus a public school where maybe it's not as accept, uh, easy to, to get into English courses and things like that. So when you're that to bring it back to you, when you were growing up, were you going to public schools or private schools? Uh, no, we always went to private schools. It's. It's just like a middle class thing here. If you have a little bit of money, you'd rather be in a public school. I mean, a private school, because public schools here are like really, there's a huge gap between one and the other. So it's definitely, if you have an option to go to a private school, you will, you will go to a private school. So we're, we, for, we were fortunate that, that way. And that helped a lot with the, with the English and with everything else you have okay i mean you can always get better opportunities for sure and growing up you you and your sister went to a private school that's cool and and what was like your household like growing up like are your parents entrepreneurs as well for example yeah they are it's funny because there are they're both uh, artists they started with well they start with different things but for most of our life they were they were they create ceramic pieces so they've been, they worked with, with ceramic for, I don't know, maybe 20 years. And now they're into the glass business. So, I mean, it's not photography. We belong to a very creative family. And that's, that have helped a lot. Okay. So did, did their influence, like, growing up, 
do you think they they influenced you more um, in terms of being like an artist or kind of like with entrepreneurial um, habits or or maybe they didn't do any either like what what kind of influence did you have growing up in your household well i think i think it it helped out a lot to believe that you're you're able to like create your own job that helped a lot right like to see our parents working or workshop every day and they created everything for themselves that was very helpful to know that we can have a we we on a business that where where we decide what to do right not to work for a company or have a, a office hours work kind of thing so it was very helpful and for sure the creative part it was it was key just knowing and seeing how they're always uh, researching for new things and new techniques and new stuff to do and it just I mean you don't know because you grow up with that but now that we're a little bit older we realize that that I was that's very very helpful for or when you create your own destiny right to see how your parents worked and what did they do and how did they do it okay so are you and your sister around the same age uh, we're five years apart, but it feels like, like right now, it's pretty much the same thing. Okay. Cause it sounds like it could have been, maybe she could have been your twin or something growing up. Like, it sounds like you're pretty, pretty close. <laughs> well, we were super close and then because we work together, it feels that way too. You know, mm-hmm. like we, we, we know each other from, from like in many different levels. Like, I mean, lots of siblings, they just each other as siblings right but we know each other as co-workers too and that makes like a whole new connection and it's it's really awesome so you like you study communications you said yes so when you started that when you started to study communications like did you did you do that because you're absolutely passionate about communications and wanted to get a career or something with that or did you start studying just to start studying no i I wasn't sure what I wanted to study. I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker. I wanted to be a director. Oh, yeah. So that's why I started that way. I, I didn't have many options here in Mexico. I had to go away for that. So I, I, I did some research and realized that if I went to school for communication, that would be a good platform to become a filmmaker. But then during school, I realized that that was going to be a very stressful uh, work me I mean I I think I will have enjoyed it but then I will have died really young just because I can't manage the stress very well so I decided that I didn't want to go that route and I did have photography in, in university so I some courses there and it was pretty cool I loved it back then but I didn't know that I would become a professional photographer had no idea actually Okay, but filmmaking was was mainly your interest. That was my goal there. Yeah, yeah. I just changed the changed my mind, like right at the end of the of my college years. Okay, so did uh, did you study abroad then, or like did you start traveling? You said you you travel for your sanity earlier. So did you kind of like start that trend when you were in university? Yeah, I, I had to move away. I didn't have an option here in Cancun either. I mean, there were just a few careers, and I didn't want to study any of those. So I had to go, but it was just to a different city that it's very near here. It's only four hours away, because it's called Merida, and it's in the same, the Yucatan Peninsula. 
And it's a very cultural old city. So it opened my eyes to, oh my God, there's something else beside the beach, right? Like there are so <laughs> many awesome things in the world. So that was key too. I'm super grateful to have studied so much and realized that life is, is richer and better. So I, didn't, I was there for like seven years and, and I loved it. I, it, I think it, it's one of the things that made me want to travel more. And now I can't stop. Okay. <laughs> so what, what clicked for you that made you think that you wanted to have your own business? Or did you just feel like creating art in the beginning? No, it's actually very interesting because I was unemployed. When I came back from to Cancun, I had a job, and a studio that I was doing already wedding photography invited me to be part of them. And I was like, oh, my God, no, I will never be a wedding photographer. It's the worst thing in the world. I was super ashamed. I didn't want to do it, but I had no job, so and I needed the money. So I started doing it, and, yeah, tell so me. So they, they invited you, like, why would they invite you? Like, what were you doing at that time? You must have been putting out some work. I wasn't shooting at all, actually. They, it's just because I had the same background as everyone else in the studio. Like, they all went to communication school. They knew that I knew photography already. And I don't know, they just, they just said, why don't you just give it a try? We will give you a camera and start shooting. So I started going as a second shooter, and then they started doing my own weddings. And But... Still, after a few months of doing it, people will ask me, what do you do? And I will keep saying that I was unemployed. I'd rather to say that I had no job <laughs> than to say that I was a wedding photographer. And first of all, they, they will teach you that, that being a wedding photographer was the worst thing in the world. You don't want to do that. So it was a very interesting process. And I worked at that studio for like three or four years until I decided to start doing, starting doing my own, my own thing. And it was... Also very, it was a very easy transition for me. I wasn't, I wasn't planning it very well. I had no idea what I was doing, but I, I already knew the gods of the, of the business because I was working for them. So just, it, it was this time when I decided to just do my own thing or at least show my, my portfolio on my website. We started, we, we kept working a little bit together, so we, we kept referring work to each other, the studio and I. And it's basically how it started for me. It was, it was very, very easy. I can't say that I struggled too much in the beginning, and especially because here in the area there are so many white and there were very few photographers when we started. Right now it's crazy. Like this is like photography central. There are photographers everywhere. And, but there's still enough work for everyone, I will say. So mm -hmm. it, wasn't, it wasn't that hard for me. So like now when I'm just kind of speaking with you and sort of trying to like draw first impressions, like you, you do strike me as, uh, you know, you have a strong kind of confident personality. It seems like to me, have you always been that way or did that, did you just kind of grow thick skin over the years doing what you do? No, I think I've always been like this. I think it's been something that's been in me always. And it, it have helped because whatever I did, decide to do I think it works for in a good way like if I, I say okay now I want to become this 
then it works, you know, but I definitely work really, really hard towards whatever my mind or my goals or my dreams are going to. So maybe that part of the personality has helped a little. So when you're, when you're working hard, let's say, then you, you know, you have a yeah. goal in mind, like, like, are you a goal oriented person? Do you need to like have a goal in order to like, you know, get that extra motivation or are you just kind of, are you more in the moment? I'm more in the moment. I'm more in the moment kind of thing. And then things switch. Like that's what I like too, that maybe um, my life is going in, in a certain way. And then because living or planning for the moment, it just switches and then maybe you thought you were going this way but then no you're going to the left and and you're not suffering because you didn't go to the right anymore you know and that's that's something that I really really like about being like this like because life keeps surprising me and I'm just super excited about new things that happening but I think that it it does help when you have a mindset and you know what you want to do but it's also really interesting when you don't know exactly what you're looking for, but you just keep working hard because good things are coming and then you just get happy with pretty much whatever you get. So you, 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 it feels to me like you're kind of a, you're probably an influencer now on the industry, definitely in, in Mexico. So within the Mexican photography industry, like what sort of things are you doing to, to be an influencer now? Are you like proactive in in getting involved with like up and coming photographers or organizations? Like, what sort of things are you doing to influence what's going on in Mexico? Well, I I started being part of m most uh, congresses or conference or seminars here, right? And that way, I, I it, it gave my work and myself a lot of exposure. So. I also started doing workshops and we have a very strong group of people that have taken my workshop in the past six years. We have, we're almost 300 people. So I'm, I'm always there for them. Like if they need anything from me, they will ask and I will help. And we have like this very tight group where we work together and we help each other, which is like really, really awesome. And then you start seeing how these these newer generations are coming and doing pretty much the same thing for others, right? And that's like in a very personal level. But then um, I started with another two colleagues, a project called Ellas Workshop. Ellas being as female in, in Spanish. And it's, a, it's a, more like a seminar for 40 people in every year. And we basically do this lots of activities, photography related, but also more personal level connection thing, where we work with with male photographers and female photographers, and I think that's making a big difference out there, because it's it's again giving this message of doing photography with a with a purpose not just shooting for the sake of shooting or shooting to show how everything looks it's more about like telling people to connect with themselves so they can connect with the world and shoot the way that we can show reality 
some some way. So Ellas is a really, really good project, I think. We, we're really enjoying it, and we've been doing it for four years now. Okay, so you seem like you're, you know, you're clearly you're passionate about what you're doing in photography. Like, do you carry that same passion outside of photography into anything else? Or do you not have time for that, and it's just all about photography for you? It was all about photography for the past nine years, and this year, I mean, my life just changed completely. What changed? Uh, well, I was married for five years, and I got a divorce, so that was a huge change. Um, and then some some health issues became like another big change for me, too. So uh, I had to create all these things, like more make it like a like a like a stop like a full stop of my life and see okay what's what's going on why am i so focused into my career and not thinking of me anymore or doing something for myself so it's it's like i feel like as as photographers or artists in general we have ups and downs like this curve where you're sometimes you're up sometimes you're down and you just have to realize that that's the way life is and then, like, I had, like, 2014 was my down. Like, it was a whole year. I was in, like, the lower part of the curve. And then 2015, I started to go up again. So this year was for me to just stop and think what I wanted to do. So I basically changed my whole way of life. Like, my, my, my food changed. Like my, like, my eating habits changed completely because of my health issues and I just started to do things that I enjoy. So now my sister is working with me. She's been shooting with me for many years, but now she's also working with the, all the, the whole post-process things with me. So I don't need to work as much as I used to. So I have time to do my own thing. So I also play field hockey now and I'm also super passionate about it. I go to practice three or four times a week. And I have time for myself too, and I'm finally finding that time also for traveling, but for for fun, not just for work. So all these changes have made me a, a happier person. You know, I'm not saying I'm happy all the time. We're definitely, I think, as photographers, we like to not be happy all the time. So, but it's definitely a better life for me right now for this year. So I'm all I, like that passion that I have for photography. I try to put it everywhere else. But and now I'm finally not only working, I also have a life, which is awesome. And how is your health now? It's good. It's good. It worked. I mean, I've been like my diet changed for has changed a lot in the last six months. And like my last results were fine. So it works. All these changes like like a positive mind and changing your 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 diet and trying to just stay healthy and putting all your efforts towards yourself so then you can just add into the mm. world it's definitely a good thing so i would ju i just love to say that to people so in case they're feeling down or their health is not very well you just have to help yourself first okay well i hope you don't mind if we stay on that topic just so like one more question about it like I don't know what your your I don't know what your health problem was, but clearly it was something significant. But when you're feeling unhealthy with with whatever it was, and and you need to continue working in this industry where you know it's weddings, it's happy, and you're on the beach in Cancun, like, and it's not so happy for you, like like how did you how did you get through that? Because I can't imagine that being 
that must have been extremely tough. Well, it's very interesting because it's not just with the diet, right? Like it's not just that you're dealing with a health issue. It's just also that you went through a divorce. That's, that's That might be even the hardest part for some people when you're going and shoot a wedding and you just, you're just not there yet, right? Like you, you just actually lost what it was supposed to be like something super romantic and the person you were going to grow old and all that stuff. So... Actually, a bride asked me like, after she, I didn't. I don't tell that to people on their wedding day, right? But after she said, "How can you just keep shooting weddings when you're going through something like that?" And I realized that it's because the wedding itself—it's not what we're shooting. That's when I realized that what we're doing it doesn't matter if you're sick or if you're going through a divorce or whatever. I mean, you're, if your mind is in the right track then you can shoot a wedding without feeling jealous or feeling sad or it's just what what i realized is that a wedding is just a tiny little representation of life right there it's it is a ceremony of two people getting married for sure but it's not just about that it's about their connections with other people it's the only time when they're going to have a professional photographer uh, documenting an entire day of their lives so that's when I'm like, I'm not sad anymore for shooting a wedding. I'm super excited because this is like a tiny little representation of society at this moment. And it's a huge document for them and for, for the world. So, so that's when I, it hit me. And I said, you know what? A wedding is not a sad moment for me anymore. Like it's, even if I'm sick, it's like something that is going to drive me to want to wanna heal and to feel better and to just just leave this document for their kids in the future, right? So it's not, it's not a hard thing when you're, I mean, it's definitely hard to have your mind uh, sharp and focused when you're struggling with personal problems, for sure. But as soon as you can, you can pass over yourself, then you can do a really good job. Wow, so it feels like uh, being sick, maybe perhaps was sort of a, a good thing not a good thing but like a blessing in disguise maybe because maybe were you thinking this way before you got sick or did this was this a result of being sick i think i think i started thinking this way after i got a divorce okay. more than the sick part but then being sick it helped a lot in a, in a different way it helped a lot of like making the time for yourself because then like I know a lot of people that actually get sick and they just keep doing what they're doing. They they don't make any changes and then and then you die basically. So you you have two options, right? To stop and try to make your life better. And that's that's kind of what happened to me this time. You know, like it was like a huge like message from whatever that was telling me, "Okay, you need to stop. You need to take t time for yourself. You need to make some changes so you can last longer." So I think that's why I'm super thankful for that, that it, it's not something that it has no remedy. It's something that is telling me, okay, you need to become a better person for yourself first and then just start from that. Amen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't need to keep going on about your health. It sounds like it's in a much better place now. Um, but I'm curious, like when it we is. when we yes. first started talking, I, uh, I sort of kind of alluded to being a, a female entrepreneur and and you, your eyes kind of lit up a little bit and you and you said girl power like like are you are you a bit of a are you a feminist or do you have like you don't think that way maybe 
I'm a I'm a humanist. I think I just I just I would try to work really hard for it, and I'm not. I don't think I'm a feminist. I wouldn't say I just because that word has so many weird labels and tags and. So I don't. I just don't want to use that word. But I am super excited when a woman can speak up and has a good message and has has a, a plan to to for her own voice. That's uh, that makes me really happy. Just because we, I know that it hasn't been easy for everyone, but it's it's the same with a with a. It could be the same for a male person that it has a huge talent and has had a hard, a really hard time to find uh, a platform. So mm. it's not just about I'm just excited when girls get a chance for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe that's a maybe that sort of segues into like my my next thought because before I um, before we we spoke today we started speaking today uh, I was just reading the news from Canada because I do that and um, there was sort of like a like a joke article written in one of the national newspapers about. Uh, about a wall being built between uh, Canada and the U.S. if the Republicans win the vote in the states. So I was thinking about Mexico because they because Donald Trump kind of said that he's going to build a wall between Mexico and the states. So, anyways, I don't need to talk about U.S. politics too much. But are you a political person yourself? Yes, yes, very actually. Like how involved? Like, well, right now, as I said, right now I'm like in a in a pause moment for that kind of thing but I become I, I'm coming from a family that is actually super political like my dad my dad was born in Spain during the the civil war he had to like their parents struggled really hard and then after the civil war they had to move away from from Spain to Uruguay and then in Uruguay my dad was a huge activist against the system and then he had to because of the queue in Uruguay, he had Mexico, and that's why he ended up here. But then, like, he didn't learn his lesson, and in Mexico, he's still like a very active person. So I'm definitely I have I have that background, you know, where we're trying to make our world better in a very pacific kind of way. But we're also like, as a family, my parents especially are super involved. I was very involved, like, in a younger age. And now on that, maybe the way to help the world is not exactly the way they're doing it. We're, I'm just trying to do it on my own way. But I'm definitely a political person and I'm very interested in what's happening in the world and, and what's happening in our own country and what can we do to make it better. And I'm is against so, that wall for sure. You're against the wall? <laughs> <laughs> just because it will be very hard to climb it up. That's it. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, we don't need to talk about U.S. politics, but I did find it funny that that wall was Donald Trump's idea and he wanted Mexico to pay for it. So that's, that was kind of an interesting angle. That's... But but do you do you <sighs> think that do you do you think about life after photography and, and maybe politics as a career for you, do you think? No, definitely not. No, here like in our country, it's just not an option, I don't think, unless you're willing to be part of a very rotten system. And I don't think our generation is going to see something better. I'm just hoping for future generations to, like what is happening right now, it's going to be a little, like a little step for, for better Mexico. But I don't, I, as I said, I feel a little bit hopeless right now for everything. So I, I'm going to sound very ne- negative about our country in this cast. 
And maybe in a few years, I'm going to say, oh, man, you should have been a little bit more positive. But right now, it feels like we're not going to be the ones that are going to see the sun soon. <laughs> but I'm hoping that it's going to happen. So I'm definitely not going to be involved in okay. politics or any kind of, uh, any kind of thing like that in this life. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. Like, like when I, I don't know. Mexico is interesting to me because, as I said, I'm from Canada and you hear a lot of stories and you hear about like corruption and things like that. Like just to use that example, because you're an entrepreneur, like do you do you see that happening with your business? Like do you do you need to pay off the, the cartel, for example, or is that just like a myth? Well, no, it's not a myth. I mean, it happens and it, it, it hasn't happened to me. Fortunately, I wouldn't be living here if that happens. It's super scary someone and say hey you need to start paying to the cartel like that's something that would change your life forever and you may need to leave the country or something like that and i mean my business is not as successful as people may think so maybe they won't they will knock on our door soon <laughs> so yeah because some people think that speaking in rome you're mega rich and then you realize that maybe that's the only money you're making for that month right it's like being a wedding photographer is not as glamorous or rockstar life that people think but it's definitely corruption is a big thing here i mean as in many many countries for sure it's not it's not something that is getting better unfortunately and then like we we had to deal with a lot of these kind of things growing up but then right now the main thing is is security like fortunately we live in a in a city where where it's very safe to because there are no no bad stuff happening here so we're really really happy living here but then the, you know that the country is struggling in other areas and that that's that's painful that's really painful to be in a in a country where you have like all these extremes where people are super wealthy and people are extremely poor and then people that are completely safe and people that are really struggling with with say like it's just safety issues, right? That 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 really rotten society from the inside. Because as soon as you have someone from your family missing, because I don't know something really bad happened to them, that small small part of society as a family doesn't work anymore, right? Or the 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 duel like lasts for a long time, and then the whole society starts breaking. So it's it's really for Mexico right now and it, I know it sounds awful and people don't stop coming because it's a great country <laughs> but I'm just saying as a, as a Mexican we're, we're, we're just working really hard to make things better for this place hmm. uh, I'm not saying that you're going to like move away if you say yes to this but do you have uh, more than one passport like you said your dad uh, immigrated from, from Spain to Uruguay so do you, do you have a Spanish passport for example yeah, yeah, we do have a Spanish passport, and uh, but at, at the same time, it's like you don't want to leave your country, you know. You just want to stick to it and try to make it better. For sure, you think about the idea of moving somewhere else, but definitely Spain is not doing great either. You know, it's like the whole world is not doing great. So when you think, okay, where should I move to? Then you you're, you always have second thoughts of, okay, maybe I can move here, but then 
struggling with, or maybe I cannot move to Syria, right? No one wants to move into there. So there is just like the whole world is struggling right now. Even the mm. the, the, the the big countries or the, the big economies have their own things that you don't want to be part of. So who knows? I mean, we're working here and seeing what happens. Well, I'm in Sweden right now, and it seems to be in a, in a nice little bubble of its own at times. So maybe move to Sweden. Nice. Good. Good for you. <laughs> but at least you're reading the news. <laughs> oh, yeah. I live over in Sweden, and I miss yeah. Canada. You, you know? know, I need I'm to keep sure, tabs on it. But it's so funny because I, I read the, can, the Canadian newspapers, and I just love your news, guys. Like, your news are so awesome. I've seen front pages that are about a tree falling into a house, and I'm like, oh, man, I wish our news were about that. <laughs> well, on, on the front page a lot these days is the new prime minister. So True. I don't know. There's a lot of optimism well, around him. So, like on on optimism, like what are you what are you most optimistic and excited about these days? Like, like what's next for you? Um, well, I'm just very excited about this year that just happened. You know, and as I said, I I I think I'm pretty good at not like I'm at maybe living in the moment or the immediate time. So I'm just, I'm very excited about coming to Europe and, and be part of, of the way up north in Rome. I'm definitely super excited about that. In, and it's not just because I'm speaking to you. It's because it's, it's a, an event that I, I never thought I was going to be invited to. Just because it's not like part of the circle of photographers that I've always been part of. So when I, I got the invitation, I was like super excited because it, it's helped me to, to be part of a or to speak in a platform where I'm going to reach other photographers and I'm going to share with other photographers and learn from other photographers that I'm not used to. And I'm loving that. I'm super, super excited about, about your event, guys. And I heard the first one was really awesome. So I cannot wait. Well, it came very close to you not coming because you didn't answer the first email we sent you. I am so sorry because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get it. I was like, uh, oh my God, a... how on earth did I miss this? Because I would have said yes right away. And I'm so thankful that you followed up because, of course, you're like, why she didn't answer? Whatever. We're not inviting her anymore. And I'm so <laughs> happy that you didn't have that attitude because when I read it, I'm like, what? Am I invited? Well, this is slightly like this is maybe a little, maybe uh, slightly unrelated to what we've been talking about. But I have learned with organizing an event that photographers are not very good at emailing. So it would have been a phone call next. And and I hate phone calls. That's why I tried to be good at emails. (laughs) I do. I can't stand talking on the phone. But I am so, so sorry that I missed it. And I'm not that bad at emailing i'm actually trying to be quick and well and i know how hard it is to be an organizer because i i organize an event too and i know how how many times you have to ask a photographer to send you the images or how many times you need to tell them okay i need your bio or tell me <laughs> what your topic is going to be about and then i find myself but, side and i know how hard it is to make time for those so but it, but if it's an email for a destination wedding in machu picchu that you got to reply in a minute <laughs> you get everybody you know that's super interesting because i normally do not take weddings from somewhere else than in mexico like i try not to shoot weddings in different countries just because i'm 
oh, I have no permit to work in a in another country, right? And I don't want to risk not showing up to a wedding just because we have no permission, you know? Like, it's, like migration say, hey, why are you bringing that camera with? And all that kind of questions that will drive me crazy not showing up. So I love traveling for conferences and workshops and for for fun as vacation, not for weddings. So when I get a, a request like, hey, do you want to come and shoot a, a wedding in Peru? I just recommend someone in Peru and say, no, but I can come and visit if you want. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Like, uh, interesting because where you are is kind of, uh, well, it's a destination wedding hotspot. And like, you know, probably better than most like wedding photographers from the states and canada uh well i'm guilty of it too come there without work permits like crazy and i remember there was one um twitter account i can't remember what it was called but basically what it was is it was a mexican wedding photographer who was calling out foreign photographers for working oh, in mexico sorry. illegally um so Okay, so to bring that to a point, like, like, do you care that there are so many foreigners working in Mexico illegally, or do you just like, it doesn't, it's not, not a big deal to you? No, no, it's not a big deal for sure. Like for me, it's I, I just really don't want to risk like a wedding where I don't show up because of that, and I don't want to, I don't want a country to ban me because I was trying to get into and work there. So, for example, in the States, if I get an inquiry for a wedding in the States, I always say no, because I don't want to risk that visa. Like, my my visa to the States is my connection to the world, and I don't want to, like, stop being, like, I, I always want to have that visa so I can go somewhere else from there, you know? So, but for me, I know I know what account you're talking about. It was actually in Cabo. Uh, the, yeah, the, it, it was I think a, it was Cabo. Yeah. Yeah, that's that was awful. We were super ashamed, and we were like, "You need to stop doing this. You cannot do that." I mean, there are so many weddings; people can come and do whatever they want. Just you cannot be calling out like that's bad karma for you. So, if if you, I have no problem with other with other uh, photographers coming here and shooting. We have we're dealing with different problems here in in, in Riviera Maya. We're we're dealing with with boards that are actually getting really really greedy. And they have their in-house photographers, and they don't allow external vendors to come on the, uh, unless the, the clients pay like a thousand-dollar vendor fee, kind of thing. So that's like ridiculous, and we're really struggling with art. It's it's more like an issue. And living here, I mean, there are so many people from different places shooting already. That I mean, Cole, you can come and shoot the wedding. You can go, no problem. I wouldn't be kicking well, you. Well, I'm not sure if you've seen. The wedding work that I do with Jakob, but hearing you being so good and doing the right thing and not doing destination weddings is kind of making me uh, blush a little bit because we tend to work around the world a little and it's not always legit. So we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Don't say that. Well, no. anyways, anyways. <laughs> Let's change the topic. No, I'm just saying that uh, I just don't want that kind of a stress because I know lots of people that love it and they love shooting weddings somewhere else but for me just knowing that that that's a possibility I uh, will be super stressed and also bringing all the equipment and having all the cameras in a different place and that it's like that itself doesn't let me enjoy the place anymore because I, I don't want to leave the resort with all my equipment in the in the room and the mm. and the material there 
and I'm just enjoying the place. No, it's not an option for me. So I just work hard at home, and then if I make a little bit more money, then I get to go to that place and visit it, but just for fun. You know, that. but I know so many people that love doing destination weddings, and that's fine. It's great. Well, if anyone does actually listen to this podcast, I, I hope that they like actually listen to what you're saying because like we're in the destination market niche with with my photography business. But I really like what you're saying because that is, you know, that's a great way to be. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. I think if you if you're into that kind of market and where you work, there there are not as many weddings. Just keep doing what you're doing. You know, it's just hmm. for my mind. And for my sake, it's what the way we do it. That's it. It's just it's not a it's not more complicated than that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we've spoken for about an hour, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. I've ne- I haven't spoken with you before. I've never even really seen you, you know, like this. I know we're just on the computer, but I've really enjoyed speaking with you. It was awesome talking to you. You're a great interviewer, even though you keep saying that you don't know what's going to happen. You did great. It felt super comfortable. Thank you for talking to me and listening to me. <laughs> I actually didn't ask you questions, and I tend to do that all the time. When I get interviewed, I'm always the one asking questions. Okay. And you didn't let me, so good job with that. Oh, I didn't ask you what kind of camera you use. No, I'm joking. What? I'm joking. <laughs> what kind of lens? <laughs> No, it's been really cool talking with you. And uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. But for now, enjoy the beach. Thank you. I will. Thank you. You Have a great time. Enjoy your winter. Yeah, enjoy the darkness and the cold and the snow. I'm sure it's it's lovely. It's very cozy. I'm sure it is. Okay, farewell. Thank you, Cole. Great talking to you. Adios. What does intent mean to you? Okay, intent. Um, I guess it's a certain way. Intent is what's moving us all to to be alive, I'll say. Like whatever we do, it has an intention even when we don't know it. So especially in photography or the kind of photography we do that we work with people the intent that we apply to our work it's huge like it took me 10 years to realize what we're doing and why are we doing it maybe because i didn't ask this question before but i guess asking yourself why are you doing what you're doing it helps you to find or to put into words or make it clear what intention you have and in in many different ways or many different levels, intention is everything. It's what gonna, it's it's what's gonna make you go through or to reach to your goal. So for us, our intent in what we do, for for my sister and I, it's always to create meaningful images, meaningful documents for future generations or for the generation where we're working at the moment and those people don't even know what they're gonna get they don't even know the value of what they're getting yet maybe they won't they won't realize it until like in the next 10 years until they go back to those images and see it and realize that those pictures have 
more value than what they thought they had. And that's basically what's our main intention in our job. It was awesome talking to you. You're a great interviewer, even though you keep saying that you don't know what's going to happen. You did great. It felt super comfortable. Thank you for talking to me and listening to me. <laughs> I actually didn't ask you questions, and I tend to do that all the time. When I get interviewed, I'm always the one asking questions. Okay. And you didn't let me, so good job with that. Oh, I didn't ask you what kind of camera you use. No, I'm joking. What? I'm joking. <laughs> what kind of lens? <laughs> No, it's been really cool talking with you. And uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. But for now, enjoy the beach. Thank you. I will. Thank <laughs> you. You have a great time. Enjoy your winter. Yeah, enjoy the darkness and the cold and the snow. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's, it's lovely. It's very cozy. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Okay, farewell. Thank you, Cole. Great talking to you. Adios. Too. That's Sitlali Rico, wedding photographer and presenter at Way Up North in Rome, April 2016. If you're interested in more details about Sitlali or about Way Up North, head over to our website, wayupnorth.co. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under at Way Up North and on Twitter and Snapchat under at Way Up North event. Thanks for listening and talk soon. is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows and this is one we think you're going to love. Hi folks, this is Rick Wilson from The Daily Beast's The New Abnormal. And I'm Molly Jongfast, a left-wing pundit and editor-at-large at The Daily Beast. I'm also an editor-at-large at The Daily Beast, a former Republican political strategist, best-selling author, and full-time troublemaker. Every Tuesday and Friday, we have fun, sharp conversations with people like Mary Trump, who reveal why her uncle is the worst president we've ever had. Or Ben Stiller on how the world of comedy is changing thanks to our political landscape. Tune in to The New Abnormal to hear us have fun conversations about a world gone mad. Acast is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.